0: All right. Hey, welcome, Fellowship Asheville, to the Fellowship Asheville Convocast, um, where we hope to inspire you with stories of what God is doing in and through the people of Asheville. And today, um, in season three, we're introducing you to to missionaries and, and missions and organizations that we support as a church. and and uh, Bold Hope is one of those and has been since almost the beginning of Fellowship Asheville. And so so we've got uh, Matt and Andrew Jones here and and uh, I want you guys to introduce yourself to, to Fellowship Asheville and talk a little bit about what Bold Hope is. So so go ahead and tell people who you are, um, a little short bio, and then we'll jump into to Bold Hope.
1: Yeah, uh, my name's Matt, uh, I'll start. Uh, and uh, I, I feel privileged to be on, thanks for having us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've worked for Bold Hope for uh, over 11 years now and uh, have, have been privileged to be here since the beginning. Um, you know, myself, uh, I'm married and I have four kids. Um, and so they, they keep us very active and busy. And uh, I'm thankful that they also join in in the ministry periodically. Um, you know, we do a lot of short term mission trips, that's part of our ministry model. And so they've been able to join in in that. Uh, they've also been able to join in in child sponsorship. And so uh, we're actively engaged in our church here in the area. We live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, and uh, my wife's very involved in MOPS, which is a which is a program for moms of preschoolers. And uh, uh, I'm in, I'm involved in some some areas as well. And so thank you for having us. Great. Yeah. Appreciate? Yeah. How How old are you, kids? My kids are, uh, yeah, that's a good test. Thanks for. Uh, <laughs> yes. five, I'm not asking you their age. Five,
0: just their ages no, five
1: just... seven, 10, and 13. So uh, we're, we're oh, in the artists. midst of it having a blast.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. All right, next. I'm Andrew. Um, same thing, grew up in Philadelphia, uh, and I have a wife. We have no kids at this time. Um, we're hoping soon. So. And then my wife works for a local Christian school. She's an English teacher there, so she does that. And then in the summers she can travel with me. But been working with Bold Hope, I think, full-time about seven years. Before that, I was actually a nurse. So even as we started Bold Hope, I was working as a nurse on the side and uh, helping stuff with the organization until we got more stable. But yeah, Matt and I talked about Bold Hope about 11 years ago, and that's how we kind of came about as we talked about helping we didn't know what to do so uh yeah and that's 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 how we got started that's
0: great okay so uh matt let me ask you this what's something that most people don't know about you uh
1: i think one thing that a lot of people don't know is since childhood i've had a real passion for for missions in my teenage years i felt called into missions and people might know that uh, but most people don't know that. Then, as a uh, when I went to college, I actually went to be a missionary pilot, and so missionary pilots are are a really cool breed where you become a a pilot, uh, a mechanic, and then you end up in a place, you know, Africa or Indonesia or or one of these places where you got not a lot of roads and you do a lot of hopping around on a plane. And so I did my first year of uh, of school uh college uh for that and so i'm i'm actually a certified uh airplane mechanic so if you ever have your airplane breakdown i can jump in and take care i
0: will i will text you immediately if i have my (laughs) airplane (laughs) breakdown yeah um uh, andrew what about you what's something most people don't know about you
2: most people don't know i actually started at school a state school penn state i was there for engineering i thought i wanted to do something well digging Decide in the middle of it, I felt like God was calling me more missions and wanted to go get a Bible degree. So I transferred to a small Christian school called Cedarville. But in that process, I thought nursing was going to be a lot more similar to engineering. I don't know why I thought that as an 18-year-old. <laughs> no, and that's why I got into nursing. I didn't think about it. I literally showed up. I said, oh, they have a lot of math and science. I like math and science completely different math and science. And there's not a lot of math. It's like statistics, but that's how I became a nurse. But really that's how we end up in Haiti too. I went on a medical mission trip. So I just see how God was working. But honestly, I, nursing, never thought about nursing growing up. It was literally when I transferred from Penn State to Cedarville that I became a nurse. It was interesting, yeah. how God, God did that. Yeah.
0: Okay. So this isn't a question that we had, but okay. So I hear y'all talk about being, you know, 17, 18, listening for God's call and all this stuff. Who are your parents that would raise two kids like y'all that at that young of an age are already tuning in to what God is asking of you? I mean, that's pretty
2: rare, I would think. I love our parents' testimony. They got saved at a later age, in their 20s. And when they got saved, they both came from very broken families. And they said, (laughs) we're going to break this curse and not be like them. So Hmm. they got saved and completely changed their lives and just wrecked. And they really invested in us from a young age, just speaking into us, praying with us, just spending time, quality time with us. And that was a lot of it is they just loved us from a young age. And I think a lot of it was they're both were such broken families that they came from. Hmm. And I I,
1: I remember as a child, uh, one of the things they said often was, uh, they, they encouraged us to do something purposeful in, in, in the name of Christ. Uh, mm. uh, it was not a situation. There was no pressure on you know, making too much money or more money. It was very much a pressure toward you work hard, uh, you, you work intentionally, um, and, and, you, and you listen to what God has for you. Mm. And so constantly being encouraged in that direction.
0: That's that's really cool. Now, listeners, in case you you haven't pieced it together, they are brothers. Um, are y'all the only two brothers, or do y'all have other siblings too?
1: No, we have a, a sister and a brother as well. So there's four a sister and us.
0: a brother as well.
1: That's cool. That's cool.
0: Well, let's talk. Thanks for sharing that. Let's let's talk about Bold Hope. What? Uh, explain to our listeners and, and viewers what what is Bold Hope? How did it get started?
2: So Bold Hope, uh, we started it was eleven years ago. Earthquake hit Haiti. And at the time we were called, we started with poverty resolutions. That was our old name, but we went down to Haiti and honestly, I went down as a nurse and I came back and it just wrecked me. I was down there for about a week or after the earthquake. It was three weeks later and Matt and I were already talking about uh, starting something. And in that process, we said, how can we help Haiti? As Westerners, as Americans, I I was clueless. I think we both were. So we started looking up stats at the time. It said 54% of Haitians live under a dollar a day. So three months later, we decided to go down to Haiti and live in a tent city on $1 per day and just learn from the people down there. So we said, let's go. What what better way to learn from them by living with them? So we showed up, we were clueless about what we're doing. Our bus driver showed up two and a half hours late. It was just like, there was no good plan. Didn't really have working phones, but just trusted that God would take care of it. And when we showed up, we just learned so much. I mean, there was so much love and passion and uh, just, they had nothing, but they had joy. And just, mm. I mean, people would come in Christ. It was unbelievable. It was hard. I mean, we each lost, I think, 17 to 35 pounds. Uh, it wow. was not an easy time, but it was where God worked. And that's a lot where Bold Hope developed is from that we came out and said, how can we help with education itself? What we found is a lot of parents have, uh, have to give up their kids to these orphanages because they can't afford to take care of them and they want to mm. keep their kids. So coming out of that, it, it really said, how can we make programs like our, we have a sponsorship program that helps families stay together. And that's a big reason why we do that. So it's, it's unbelievable how God did that and how he worked through it. We also learned with development, working with parents. I mean, he just Uh, it really shaped I think our vision moving forward and it was cool how God in that time was just a time of learning and saying how can we grow from the locals here and how soon was that after the earthquake that y'all did that that was four months afterwards
1: oh so it was still really yeah um, when really raw we arrived so Andrew was there three weeks after the earthquake um, Mm -hmm. but we arrived to do our We did a a month or 28 days on a dollar a day in in living down where the people were living. There was still about a a million people displaced. They're in tents everywhere. And there are so many tent cities. And and, um, through a connection that we didn't really know, we found access to someone who owned land right on the outskirts of one of these tent cities. And we said, well, can we pitch our tent there? And and, uh, he was a Haitian. The the reason they had the land is there was a house on it that collapsed. So it was just rubble now. And we said, do you mind if we pitch our tent there? And so our tent was a tarp uh, with some PVC pipe. And uh, like Andrew said, just living among the people who are going through this, hearing their heart, uh, just life-changing, devastating emotionally, um, but also want, it made us want so much more to, to be part of caring for them and, and to walk alongside them. Like Andrew said, we meet people who have to give up their children because they can't afford to feed them. That, there's something mm. wrong with that, you know, and, and I think God called us to step into that, in, into that gap and say, well, how can we be part of the solution? Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Um, um, it's amazing to hear. So how old were y'all then?
2: I was 25.
1: Yeah. And 25. I, I'm five, six years older. I think I was like 30 or so. Okay. Okay. So let me step back a little bit
0: because that's a, I imagine a, Uh, obviously a very powerful very impactful time talked about your parents when when did y'all come to know jesus like when did this start
2: i would say when i was seven or eight it was Mm -hmm. a very young age i have a bad memory we both do but yeah i would say it was seven or eight it was a very young age got baptized a little bit later but yeah a young age came to come came to know christ yeah yeah
1: Yeah, similar uh came to know christ a very young age uh, and then uh you know, a lot of it develops more into your own faith in your teenage years. And but I, I think by 14, 15, I felt very much called into missions mm. and mm. uh and very much thinking about okay, what, what does it look like to, to 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 be in missions and 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 what does that look like?
0: How do you mind diving into that just a little bit? Called yeah. into missions. Yeah. As a as a teenager, what did that what was that like for you? What was that experience? Yeah, How
1: did you I, know? It's, it's that's a that's a really good question. I specifically remember I used to go to summer camp at Word of Life, which is a, a place up in upstate mm-hmm. New York. And yeah. um, they did a really good job there. They brought in awesome speakers and they did a really good job of challenging you to like. What does it, what are you, how are you going to, you know, are you going to serve God with your life? What does that look like? What is God calling you to do with your life? And, and, and not, I don't believe everybody's called into missions or everybody's called into the pastorate. Many of us are called to use what we have to serve God and our, you know, and whatever job he's called us to, whatever job we're placed in. But I felt a very clear calling into missions, into ministry that is uh, trying to go out and, and, and preach the gospel in, in a, in a, I would say in a. Uh, Full time way. And so I, I didn't know what it looked like at 13, 14, 15, that's for sure. But I felt a real um, calling in my heart. Now, I'm not saying a verbal voice or anything of those lines. But um, as I prayed on it, as I sought God, as I, I, I would say in the, in the times when I was most fully seeking God with my life, at the times when I was trying to set aside myself and I was trying to say, hey, God, what do you want of me in those moments? It, it was this clear understanding of, hey, th- this is something that God is, is, it wants of me. And so I don't know if that's helpful at all. Um, yeah. but, but it wasn't, yeah, not a clear, I never heard a voice and God didn't come down, Matt, do this. But, um, you know, when I, you know, there's other times when I'm selfishly pursuing my own thing, and I might not hear that. But the times when I said, hey, God, I'm going to be quiet in front of you. I'm going to listen to your voice. I want to know whether I'm happy with it or not. I want to know what you want from me. I have definitely felt called into full-time missions. I will also mm-hmm. say in my early 20s, I just said I didn't start this till 30 or so. Yeah. In my early 20s, I was I was um, not in missions. I was in some business type stuff and in some other areas of work. And I was very unsettled with that. Um, mm-hmm. Wonderful jobs that I did. Uh, enjoyed being with people. One of them was a, a ministry job, but unsettled. It did not, I did not feel... Um, peace uh, w- with what I was doing. And I don't feel it was where, where God called me long-term.
0: Hmm. Andrew, what about, what about you? What did, I mean, did you kind of
2: experience this uh, same kind of call and, and shift? I would say a young age, very interested in missions. I think a lot of that was our parents just taking us to different camps, different festivals. Like we always went to creation festival where you're hearing different preachers or missionaries come in and talk about their stories our church was very missional growing up too. So we had tons of missionaries coming and speaking. I always felt some calling, uh, same type of thing. But I think later when I hit when I went to college and I said, uh, I just feel like I really want to get that foundation with a Christian education because I grew up in the public school system. I just felt like almost the shifting because I did feel like I want to do some type of ministry for the rest of my life. So I thought for me, I was like, I really want to get that foundation and go to a place where I get a Bible major, or Bible minor. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's why I shifted at that age. I felt like that was more where it changed for me. I said, okay, this will give me some of the proper training, even though I'm getting another degree, at least I have the training to go out no matter where I'm at. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, okay, so catch us up on Bold Hope. So um, we were talking about this a little bit before we hit record of how Bold Hope and Fellowship Asheville uh, met. And it was in Haiti, actually. I was there on a trip with Fellowship Jackson, which was our sending church. And, um, and as we were talking before, I couldn't remember, like, if I was eavesdropping to y'all's conversation or y'all were <laughs> eavesdropping to, to Randy and mine conversation. Um, uh, but somehow we connected the dots that we were serving in the same area, uh, the same little village in Haiti and that you knew the orphanage we were working with and stuff. And so that's, that's where it all started, where we connected with y'all. And so that would have been, I think we said maybe six years ago. A little bit more than that. Where were, Y'all were poverty resolutions at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think y'all were just in Haiti, right? Like, where were y'all as an organization then? Yeah.
2: We were just in Haiti. Yeah. And I think at that yeah. time, we were just purchasing land, too. That was right around when oh, we yeah. purchased our land in Haiti. We bought a little bit over three acres. Um, but yeah, we we're looking around uh, at different land and trying to figure out. And since that... It's we look completely different than we did six yeah. years ago down down in Haiti. So it's it's been yeah. really cool where God's taken. You know, yeah, over,
1: yeah. Over the past so, five years, we've been. Oh, go ahead, Fred. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Good. Over the past five years, we've been real blessed. When you we met us, yeah, we were only in Haiti about three, four, five years into the organization's founding. Um, over the last five, uh, especially pre-pandemic, it's been a little bit bumpier yeah. in the last year. But um, we we really started to expand. Where we 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 uh, set up shop in Belize and the Dominican Republic, um, and we've been blessed with partners around the globe, uh, other places as well, where where God's working, and, and we have a, a very small part in what God's doing. And so uh, from from the the roots of Haiti, and we're still actively involved there, very actively involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so thankful that we're able to be other other places as well.
0: Yeah, so okay, so describe Bold Hope now. Like, like yeah, you're, you're in many more areas. You know, you, you mentioned, okay, so it all started with this 28 days living on a dollar a day. Mm-hmm. I even think y'all made a, a documentary of sorts if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm.
1: right, on that. Is that still available? Yeah, on YouTube, uh, $1 Poverty, if you Google uh, Bold Hope $1 Poverty. Okay.
0: Um, uh, So it started there, led into poverty resolutions, centering in Haiti. Um, From my experience, working with nationals to, to, you know, I I think it was with y'all that you talked about the hope for Haiti is this upcoming generation. Like every leader in Haiti is... A a young person in Haiti right now Mm. and to be able to share the gospel with them and train them in a biblical framework as they kind of raise the nation uh, with them is, uh, you know, when we were talking back then that was seems like I remember the heart. For the organization mm-hmm. and then fast forward to when we did a trip with y'all and then saw the house that was built on the property and got to 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 work there in the medical clinic and the garden and and all the stuff and the school and, and all the things that we got to do um uh kind of share with our listeners what what is the heart of mm-hmm. poverty i mean of bold hope and and um yeah and what kind of lights you up in that
1: yeah well, I'll speak a little bit and, uh, and then I'll, I'll switch over to Andrew. But a, a lot of our heart, we have on our shirts here, it says connect and power transform. It's a little mm-hmm. hard to see, but uh, when it comes to connect and power transform, a lot of our heart is is to connect people, when we say that, a, a, across cultures, across boundaries. And, and so part of it is to, to, to jump in, in a place like Haiti and we see this need. And when we came home from that trip, we were broken. And so we mm-hmm. said, at the time, we didn't have contact and power transfer, but we said, okay, how do we connect the people we know, the people in the United States? Who who haven't seen this, who haven't experienced this, who don't even know that someone who knows Jesus or maybe doesn't know Jesus across the world is hurting? How do we connect them? How do we help them? And not just like a cursory little invite, but how do we make it a deep and meaningful relationship? So we talk a lot about relationships, and one way to do that's through trips. You mentioned uh, uh, you know fellowship coming on a trip. You get to know people on a level that I hope that people in your congregation who came on that trip are still, you know, Facebook friends with people and texting back and forth, encouraging each other through things. And so um, we connect through trips. We also connect through child sponsorship. And so child sponsorship is, is someone saying, I'm going to commit to come alongside this child uh, at least for a year, but maybe until they turn 18, and what you just mentioned is true, it's very much part of our heart, is to say these young people are the next generation of leaders. And if they get educated, only only when we started working in Haiti, I think it was about half the people in Haiti could read. What if we took this whole community, whole community, and helped every child in that community learn to read? What difference does that make for that community? And what if we use you know, scripture to help them learn how to read? So they're in the Bible, they're in the word as well. You know, like there's some powerful things and, and, and not that the scriptures all they read, but, but what if that's part of, okay. part of what they're learning as well? And so connecting is one thing. Empowering, we believe in exactly what you just said. What if we're giving the people that we're working with, a lot, you know, we're walking with them in a way that allows them to, you always hear, you know, sort of giving a fish teach to fish? What if we're walking alongside them as they're learning to fish, as they are working their butt off to learn to read, to learn, you know, all the other, you know, whatever else it may be. What if we're walking alongside them? And so when they hit a bump, you know, we have our hand out and we're, we're willing to say, hey, we'll walk with you for a few minutes. Let's hold hands. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to their medical needs during COVID, what if we're there and we're walking with them? And then we talk about transform and transformation is, is our, uh, fancy word for the the spiritual development aspect. You know, you know, what if we're walking with people as as uh, you know as they're walking with God, but walking alongside them and saying, we want to walk with you. So those those are three of the things that we talk about regularly. you know, connecting people across cultures and boundaries, empowering people, and then for for transformation. That's what we want to see. both spiritual, economic, familial transformation, true transformation. And, and one thing we do mention, and one thing you mentioned there, we try to do that with locals. I think that's one way in which we're different than a lot of missions. We do have missionaries on staff, but we are very, very aware of wanting to do it alongside the local church, not, not instead of the local church. And so in Haiti, for instance, we have around 40 people on staff. Every one of them is Haitian. And, and, and there's an intentionality to that, that we want to walk alongside the local church. Um, some other countries, it's not everyone's Haitian, but a, or not everyone's a local or a national, uh, but we, we tend to be very cognizant about coming alongside the local church, not not uh, replacing it or pushing it aside, but saying, how can we walk alongside what you're already doing?
2: Yeah, Great. I have to echo everything Matt said. Uh, the biggest thing is, like, like Matt was saying at the end, is connecting with that with the local church, local pastor, and a lot is just hearing what his vision. So, what we're doing in Haiti might not look the same as the Dominican Republic, even if mm-hmm. it's the same island or Belize or India. It all looks a little bit different because really we're listening to the locals. We don't have like a cookie cutter uh, format that we do in every country. We adapt, we change because we really want to hear from them and them cast a vision and then say, okay. Let's let's see. Let's talk and over conversations over building a relationship. We hear what their goals and what God's put on their heart. And that's where I think we can come along and help them fulfill those goals. So it looks different in every country, too. And that's what's so cool is God makes clarity in these different places for these pastors or these local church leaders. It's been really cool seeing that. That's been exciting and seeing how God's working around the world. It's unbelievable the different things that God's doing each and every day. Yeah. And is that, is that, go ahead,
1: Matt. If I could speak to an example or two of that. um, So uh, in Haiti, I talked a lot about education. One reason we're so involved in education is that In Haiti, generally speaking, there are no public schools in the area where we work. And so these children are uneducated unless someone says, I wanna educate them. Their parents, generally speaking, cannot afford private school. So that's what it looks like in Haiti. And as you're walking through that educational experience, uh, we have a school on the ground. Uh, We have a medical clinic, we have a feeding program. And so these kids are being fed, taken care of medically and learning to hopefully allow them to have an opportunity. But then you go over the the border to the Dominican Republic, like Andrew said, the exact same island, but they have a pretty solid public school system through fourth to sixth grade, depending where you're at. And so we don't need to build a school, but we might need to help transport, bus those students to the middle school, which may be as many as 20 minutes away by bus. so instead of building a school, there's still a public school for them, but they just need a bus. And so a lot of it's saying to the local church, how do we come alongside your congregation as they try to meet the needs of the people there? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we're in India, they're not they're not talking of school at all. What they're talking about is, um, one of the big things they talk about is trafficking of of young people between mm-hmm. the ages of 10 and 18. And so, okay, how do we help fight trafficking of, of young ladies, especially. And what can we do to come alongside that? Mm-hmm. And so they have a counseling program, and we help fund that counseling program, completely different than what we're doing in Haiti. But again, this is the local church telling us what's really going to be effective for our ministry is to fund this counseling program. And so it depends on the country and the need, uh, but I just wanted to give a few examples of what I yeah. mentioned.
0: Yeah, that's great. And what, what specifically lights y'all up? Like, like, what's your sweet spot in this?
1: Yeah, I, I think, two, two, one, one thing I'll say off the top, I love, love seeing families from the United States go down and together serve. It mm. is so beautiful to see, to see multi-generational, you know, a, a dad and a mom and a kid or three, and maybe they have a teenager and they have a kid that's eight. And, and to see them working side by side, I think so many times in the United States, you know, this kid has this, this kid has this, the parents have this and this, to, for everyone to come together for a week, set all that aside, and say, "I want to serve my Lord and Savior, and and I'm going to do it all out." And there's something special about a missions trip. It really brings the best out in people, and I and I and I'm privileged to be part of that all of us whine about everything when we're at home. We all complain. We all, me, me too, not pointing mm-hmm. at anybody here. We get on a mission trip and the food's not great. The hotel's not great. It's 105 degrees out. And and we just see people saying, hey, I'm here to serve the Lord. And I absolutely mm-hmm. love that.
2: I would say but going on, with that is just lives changed in hearing these God stories. Just, just this weekend, I was on a trip uh, with a team of 10 to the Jordan. And one of the ladies on the trip emailed me and said, I want to go back for Thanksgiving. I'm just completely wrecked. And she, even when we were there, was talking about quitting her job. She has a really good job and going and becoming a missionary. She said, I've never really got a chance to go serve as a missionary never got a chance to go on a trip. So when we hear those God stories, those are what light me up. Like, this person's completely mm. changed. And what's cool is we get to hear them about Americans, but also when we're traveling overseas, this pastor saying this, I remember I was down in Haiti and this witch doctor, uh, in our area, in our community of Akaye, got saved. So, on um, Wednesday I took the pastor, local pastor, and we had a pastor with us and they went and they burned all their stuff. And I wasn't even there for it, but it was just this, like, she's like, yep. And that's her business. That's her livelihood. And she was just like, I'm going to trust God and just burned it all. And those are like the God stories where you're like, wow, look at what God's doing. And a lot of times it's not Matt or I, it's so many other people just doing it. And you're just hearing about it. And a lot of it's that that's empowering those local leaders and they're doing the work. They're doing the everyday stuff. But then you hear a story like that. You're like, wow, that's incredible. That's so cool. So that's what
0: that's what lights me up. Yeah. And that you get to be a part of that, even though you're not like physically there, you get to be a part of it. And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, for people that support Bold Hope and and like I, they were part of that, too. That's what's mm-hmm. cool is is, you know, I think I think part of heaven is going to be us making connections with people that we were part of each other's stories and we had no idea. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and just hearing that like this, this witch doctor, you know, and people that just think, well, I just give twenty dollars a month you know like like they're part of her story and yep. and, and her transformation which is so cool yeah, yeah.
2: it's a, it's well, incredible i i love it's it I think we both yeah. do yeah
0: yeah yeah so okay so uh let let me be debbie downer here for just a minute what's a bad day at bold hope look like we don't COVID. have any COVID. <laughs> two, two different answers interesting
1: <laughs> can, can I answer a, a bad year a COVID year Is that yeah, a, a bad 18
0: months or so um, uh, obviously COVID has impacted yeah. y'all severely when you're an organization uh, that takes Americans overseas and and, and, and and
1: works overseas and you can't go overseas yeah. what, what have been some shifts that y'all have had yeah. to make I think that's off the top of my head I think that's uh one of the most difficult things is um, to, it's not even that people can't go that that is sad and it's frustrating and and a lot of the way we connect is in person and I mean you've mm-hmm. been on trips Fred like it's meaningful to be there it's meaningful yes. to meet someone in person to spend that week with them and it, and it helps it creates so much more connection so that that's been hard but I think even more than not being able to travel is the unknown nature of this rolling pandemic situation where we have teams that say, we're all in, we're going, we can't wait to go, um, and then you know, a country closes down, or you know, they, they reassess, understandably so, and say, you know what, this just isn't wise, or um, you know, whatever, or things spike. You know, they, they, you know, we had a team this, this summer uh, was all through the pandemic. We're going to go to Costa Rica. We're going, we're going, we're going. About a month before they were supposed to go, Costa Rica had, like had doubled in cases. And they just said, we don't think it's wise anymore. Mm. Very understandable. Um, but I guess that's a bad day for me in that um, even more than not going is the frustration of just not knowing. And, and mm-hmm. I should, biblically, I should just trust God and be cool with it. But for me personally, it is anxiety inducing. It's like, ah, oh, this always... You know, and the amount of work that goes into a trip, it's not just like we show up. We're, we're months ahead of time. We're setting up transportation in hotels. As we get closer, we're setting up what the ministry would be. So it's purposeful. So we're reaching out to pastors and maybe even promising, hey, we're going to be there this week. While we're there, we'll run your VBS for you. And then, you know, COVID spikes. While we're there, we'll put a roof on your church and then COVID spikes. And so it's—it's it's, mm-hmm. that's been a hard thing.
0: I think for yeah, me, because so there, there is a lot of work. There's a lot of work on the on ramp. Mm-hmm. And then when something like that happens,
1: it's it's got to be like double the amount of work to, oh, to yeah. do the off ramp. It's, it's, yeah. And, so and then for it, y'all, to, to apologize, we've already bought plane tickets. We've already, you know, like, yeah. there's a lot As of I was going to say,
0: there. there's a whole funding component that gets mm-hmm. slapped yeah. too, yep. you know, like, yep.
2: like, it's a deep hit. Yeah. I think for yeah. me, some of the hard things is so many of our partners are struggling. We've yeah. had, Two ministry Mm. leaders passed away because of COVID. We had uh, one of the ministry leaders' wives pass away. I think it's like five total, Mm. four or five total that we've known of. um, Just not access. I mean, a lot of these places are remote villages. um, And just not being able to help. um, That's some of it, too. I mean, Mm. it's just hard. I mean, since we're not traveling, our resources are less, theirs are less. I mean, there's been so many supply chain issues with food overseas. Just so much. And I think for us, it's not even like we can go visit them. Like these are our friends; hmm. these are people we built relationships with, and we're just sitting there. And you can like cry on the phone with them or over Zoom, but there's no way to connect, and I, I don't see an end in sight of that either. That could be another couple of years in some of these countries because yeah. they're shut down still. I mean, we have a lot of countries that are still shut down, so it's it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So, how does Jesus get y'all
0: through that? What is does- what does that look like
1: it's it's been i'm starting to like tear up just thinking about it i I, andrew saying that i remember on the way back from uh i was i was driving on the way back from new york we live in pennsylvania and uh got it got a note over that my friend in india passed away you know and just i don't know um it's just hard i i uh i don't know if i have a good answer for you fred that's that's (laughs) fair that's fair. Cause um, one, cause these one are thing that friends. helps me
2: is I mean, they're in better place. I, I think the one India that was like the first one that we heard about, she ran all the all the houses of these trafficked girls. Amazing woman mm. in her 50s, never got married because her Ministry was helping these girls that got rescued. Uh, She used to work Mm. for IJM. She used to do the house raids. Like she was just a warrior for Christ and just sharing. When she passed, it was, I I know it's heartbreaking for me, but I think a lot of it, I I see, I am like, at least they're in a better place, but there's such a gap. I know that ministry struggled Mm. ever since she passed. And she passed over a year ago now and they've just struggled. And it's just like, just praying for them, but it's not easy. And then you hear about another one and another one. I mean, we just had a guy, he's been part of, he he ran this ministry in Miramar. He was the ministry head for a Bible school. And they have over 250 church plants in this place that doesn't really know Christ. And he has a seminary set up uh, right there in town. And he is training people to go out and i mean it just and he would tell these stories about backpacking about persecution i mean miramar has been through so much mm-hmm. and he he just passed and his son's taking over but as i expected his son's like low 30s and he's like i don't know what mm. i'm doing like it, mm. it's just so hard but that, again it just prayer it, it's not easy i don't think anything but yeah, yeah. christ does comfort at least they're in a better place they're not suffering like that's what i always think about like
1: And yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. you know, In in Myanmar, he was uh, founder of a theological seminary, founder of a Bible college. They've planted like hundreds of churches in a place where 95% of people don't know the name of Christ or whatever it is. And to be on that text chain, um, just Mm. devastating as they couldn't find oxygen for him. And just knowing what people are going through, it just breaks my heart. And because I don't know. I, you know, we're not in that place. And so I do think it's, like Andrew said, it's very comforting to know that they know where they're going, but it's also just devastating. We had the privilege of being in Myanmar about two years ago, and they had a graduation, and, in and, and, you know, Mung's the founder and president of the college, and, and mm. these, it was some 90 people, it's a two-year graduation, it's kind of weird, but either way, like 90 people being sent out to, from a Bible and, and theological seminary in Myanmar, in this place mm. where Almost no one knows Christ, and they have a theological education, and to know that God's going to take those people—how many people are going to know Christ because of those ninety? I don't know. But but what a privilege and what a what a testimony from from Hmong that that's what he poured his life into.
0: Yeah.
1: But then to have have COVID come through and and to hear their texts when they're like, "We just can't get oxygen. We're driving from hospital to hospital, and we're out." It's mm. just sad. So yeah, it's hard, hard. I'm, I'm a little bit processing here. Sorry, Fred. <laughs>
0: that, no, that's okay. That's okay. What I, what I notice in, in hearing y'all talk, uh, which I experience to be true, even, even as a, an American white guy being in Haiti with y'all, is that people are not projects for y'all. Um, the people that go on these trips, the people that you minister with, um they are your friends and when i was there i felt like a friend um i don't know how y'all did it but i felt like your best friend when i was there and uh and um you do that and even, even um, with the bed bugs these, oh you remember that yes <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes yes
1: yes yes don't <laughs> tell anybody about that we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, cut we'll, we'll, that.
0: yeah we'll, we'll cut that out probably not but yeah bed bugs uh luckily there was a doctor on the trip who uh helped take care of things but uh it was it was an experience yeah yeah but (laughs) it was an experience uh but uh but y'all do y'all i mean and you just see it in in hearing y'all talk about the people that you've lost like you Mm -hmm. love the people that you get to work with uh whether they're from america or, or or in the countries that you're working in and and it's one of the things and i know other missions organizations do the same thing but but I got to experience it with y'all and our people Mm. have gotten to experience it with y'all. And that's a heavy weight to carry. um, Because there's a lot of people in this world that y'all love. um, Mm. But it's also um, a a great weight for us to carry together with you in that because we got to experience it and it's really, really cool. Mm. And, you know, I am still friends with people that went on that trip. I'm still friends with people that I met there. Um, uh, And so it, you know, be encouraged. That heart that leads y'all to grieve right now is also leading y'all to connect all kinds of people across the world um, mm, for the you. glory of That's God. A right yeah. yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um, in your own life, okay, think about, you know, the, the 25-year-old Andrew and the 31, 32-year-old Matt that was doing the dollar a day for 28 days in Haiti till now. What growth have you seen in your life in doing this?
2: I think one of the biggest things in the beginning was faith and trusting God. So there would be times where we didn't know where anything was coming from and just trusting like so much. We started bold hope or poverty resolutions at the time. And we felt, like I was calling us missions. God was calling us this. And we struggled for five or six years. Like it was not easy. Uh, I know Matt made tons of sacrifices because he worked full time. But there would be times where we didn't know where paychecks were coming from hmm. or I was trying to pick up shifts to pay. I mean, it was just all over and we were just desperate and we just didn't understand because we felt like it was so clear that God wants to do this it was it was a hard road it wasn't like instant i think so much we're like oh tomorrow it's gonna be better it was years and years of struggling Mm -hmm. but that taught us so much that taught us how to trust how i have faith how to pray i mean it was unbelievable i think that growth i'm so glad god did that way and made it slow and made it so it wasn't like right away we didn't have all this so we got to build so much just relying on god each and every day and not it's, we can't do anything by ourselves. I mean, we still tell a story. One of our biggest donors we've, our biggest actually that we've ever had is not someone we were working. It's someone that found us on YouTube, not a Christian. And she just gave to us. And that, that's just like how God works is he can take care of anything. And yeah. I think for us it's so much, it's like, oh, you're talking to this person doing this. It was nothing we did. And that's, that's how God provides too. So it's, I think that's, What I would say is uh, how he's taught me to grow and trust and rely on him and everything. Okay, now you know when I hear that, it blows my mind
0: because I think about a twenty-eight-year-old living or twenty-five-year-old living on a dollar a day in a tent in Haiti, and that God has grown your faith since then. Like (laughs) I would imagine, either that took a lot of stupidity or a lot of faith to do that in the beginning. Option one. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm I'm confident. I'm confident in which. (laughs)
0: i'm glad god has moved that stupidity to faith and that's that's good andrew i mean matthew what about you
1: yeah uh, no i i have a lot of agreement with andrew i I think the challenges we've seen uh and and the things that uh when you step in you're like all right i'm in and then and then the uh hitting the head against the wall this this stepping out and being like god why overwhelming very very much a pattern what andrew's saying where you feel and I'm sure a lot of people who have planted churches have been part of church plants. A lot of people who have started an initiative, even in a church setting where, hey, I'm going to start this Bible study and nobody shows up and just feeling like, God, I thought this is what you had for us. Um, yeah, those challenges were really an instrument of growth for us because it felt like, what? what? God, if you call us into it, why are you making this impossible? <laughs> you know? And yeah. so um, Andrew, the one that Andrew mentioned, our biggest donor that we've ever had to this day um, the fact that we did nothing for it, you know, as far as we weren't working someone, you know, we weren't, you know, it was just God providing in a time where we were desperate um, hmm. and, and absurdly so, I, I think is is always a comfort to me as well.
0: Wow. Well, as you look ahead for bold hope, uh, what do y'all hope God do? What do you sense God is doing? Hmm. Um, as you look ahead, what do you see?
2: I think we're super hopeful for this next year. Um, just getting back to traveling, going going all nations, just just getting back to our partners, supporting them. I know a lot of them are reaching out and saying, we need you, we need you, we need you. So I think that's like the short term for us. I think long-term, just seeing where God takes it, saying, opening, opening up and saying, God, where do you want us? And that looks different. We're not sure where that's going to take us. But over the next couple of years, we really want to get back to supporting all our partners, we do support them, but really coming alongside them more and helping them and helping. I mean, this has been a harder year for them than it has for us. I I know I say up here, it's tough. There, I mean, people are starving and they can't meet those needs. So I think for the short short term is helping them. Long term, uh, I don't know. We're just kind of saying, God, wherever you take it, we don't know what country that means or what partner or where, but let's support the partners we have over the next couple of years, really provide for them. And then see where God takes us next.
1: Yeah, I would like to bounce off that a little and say we, we are so thankful for our national church partners on the ground. Mm. We're thankful to be able to walk alongside them. And during this time where they've just taken it on the chin uh, time and time again, a lot of what we've said is how do we redouble down and be there for them? How do we redouble down and walk alongside mm. them? How do we make sure? And so, are um, Like one of the things we've said intentionally, we're not adding any, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of pausing on adding more locations and partners for the most part We're we're going to dig down deep mm-hmm. in the ones we already have. And so so that's a little when Andrew's saying we don't know where it heads next. We don't because there's a level of intentional pausing of growth in order to really meet the needs of those who we already know, who we've been walking life with years and saying how do we pour more into you how do we walk alongside your ministry and so that that might mean through bringing trip participants it might be through more child sponsorships it might be just through prayer when i say just that's a terrible way to term it it might be through praying for them more intentionally Mm -hmm. one of the things we're seeking right now is we're seeking churches to say we're willing to partner with this location and we're thankful that fellowship's Mm -hmm. done that in haiti but, but we're saying to some of our other churches who haven't done that, maybe they've sent a team or maybe they've sponsored some children or maybe they've just said, hey, randomly, we'll, we'll come do something. We're saying, no, uh, thank you. But also, what does it look like to partner with the people on the ground to say we're here for the long haul? It's not just mm-hmm. for this year. It's not just for this week. And so we've been trying to challenge and we're going to try to continue to challenge people. If we hit another pandemic or if this rises back up, there's a new variant. What if you're in it? And you're praying when, when, when the, the church in Myanmar, when Mung's son, I think it's Danny, reaches out and he says, hey, um, we're, we're hurting here that you are praying for him fervently mm. as a church. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, guys,
0: let's go ahead and wind this down. Um, it has been great. And whenever y'all can, I would love for you to come to Asheville and and be with our church and and speak to our church and and, and let to. them hear your heart too and, and and meet you. If between now and then though, if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to find out more, if they want to support what you're doing, how's the best way for them
1: to do that? I, th- I would go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Easiest I think is just email. I'm Matt at bold hope. Andrew's Andrew at bold hope.org. Uh mm-hmm. they also could look on our website. There's a phone number. Uh, but but Email's direct and easy, and, and we, uh, we're, we're pretty good at responding.
2: If you want to learn more, I think visiting our website and checking out is a great way, of just learning uh, different things. If you're interested in what countries we're serving, we have all that on there and the type of work we're doing. So boldhope.org is our website. Great. And, and, and just for
0: fellowship folks, um, when this airs, uh, I think our trip will have been, people will have gone and been back. Uh, but we have another trip coming up in March. I think that's yeah. I think that's right. Um, and so, if uh, folks at Fellowship or folks listening to this are interested in joining us in March, just reach out to us. We'd um, love that. And, yeah, we would. I would love for y'all to go. And uh, I think it would be it'd be a great trip. We've already got some people showing interest already, which is which is really cool. So, so guys, thank you. Um, uh, thank thank you. you for doing this fellowship. Uh, thank you for for listening in and, and watching, and I love you, and I love being in the church with you, and uh, I'll see you on the next one. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, Fred. Bye. Bye.